Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Getting Hammered. I am your host, Mary Catherine Ham. I'm here with my co-host, Vic Mattis of The Free Beacon. Oh, there's so much going on, Vic. We have Iowa in a week. Less than a week Hard when you're believe. hearing this. We have, we're playing Where's Waldo with the Secretary of Defense, so we'll get into that. A Claudine Gay update from the Ivy League, and uh, you love to hear it from Pennsylvania. Also, a Zoomer with some thoughts for us olds on the economy and cost of living. So we're going to get into that. But before that, how's it going, Vic? Hello, Mary Catherine. Well, it's a bit of a transition for me mm-hmm. coming from, I was at a journalism conference. Right. Uh, it was very serious. You it was were mentoring. Good. I was mentoring. Mm-hmm. I was dispensing advice and actually picking a few things up along the way from other panelists. What we were called the faculty. Oh, you're, which was you kind do that. Of you do that thing where you're like, I learned more from the students than they could ever. Oh no, no, from no! Me. From the other panelists. Not, I didn't learn anything from the students. Yeah, come on. So really? When I, oh yeah. When I was a Georgetown oh. fellow, briefly in the Somebody Institute of Politics, no, a lot of the fellows will say I learned more from them than they could ever no. learn from me, and I'm like, not me. <laughs> that's not. That's not, not me. They're twenty. Right. That's not true at all. But I, I will say it was at Palm Beach. Well, I mean, so the weather there was, are worse gigs. The weather was slightly different than this. Mm-hmm. The hosts are very gracious. And a couple of observations for you from Palm Beach. One, I walked all the way up to the Breakers. Oh, nice. Which was built in the early 1900s by Flagler, right? And he was a partner of John D. Rockefeller of Standard Oil. Built this, it was always built as a giant hotel for all the rich people and then multiple fires, this whole thing. So we had to go, I got to check out the breakers. We go in there. I went there with a friend of mine who was actually a fellow, but I know him, so we're friends. And so we walked over there and said, let's, let's just get a drink right. at the breakers. It mm-hmm. was packed, right? And it's conspicuous wealth. Oh, yes. Palm Beach. Yes. It's really like, I like going to fancy places and surrounded by fancy people. This was too much. And I was like, like repulsed by the because you could just feel it you could feel the money in this and the children they all look like they're coming out of the ralph lauren catalog yes, yes. the world of ralph lauren it's and, probably like three steps above ralph lauren it's not even oh no 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 not a yeah that yeah. would be like gap like i could get ralph lauren right 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 compared with that this is really fancy stuff the collar is up the whole deal the scene but i said let's just get a drink we took a little table and then a waiter came by i'm sorry with, he was with some other people. The tables are kind of reserved, so you have the the reserves. So you might need a place at the bar, but there's no place at the bar. And he says, "Oh no, no, no! I got a great spot for you. Come over here." And it was like in the service corner area. <laughs> and said, "You know, you're just gonna have a quick drink, right? You're just gonna have a quick drink, yeah, because we just want your, you know, fifty bucks." That for two does drinks, not right? seem like the level of service I would expect at a place like this. No, come on. Number one, number two for me. Mm-hmm. No, n- nobody puts baby in the corner. Just gonna say that. <laughs> so I looked at my friend, and I'm, and he was like, "You really want?" I said, "Let's get out of here." So we went over across the way to Flagler Steakhouse, and man, oh man, that was great. That was that was bang was for your buck over there. Beautiful bar, sat. Now there. the bar that you went to in the Breakers was it the blue one that faced? No, the it was an open. There? It was an open yet. It was the seafood bar. Ah, okay. So I went to that that one that's oh, on the water. Yeah. And I did the a similar thing to you, although I did get seated. Okay. Very, well, of course, because it's you. It's you. It's it. not me. They don't. Could, they don't know who I am, I and apparently, see. my cachet at the Palm in D.C. does not. I also had carry a tiny over. baby with me at the time. Awesome. The baby was like yeah. two months old, and so I I sat him next to me, and I looked at the menu, and I fought my my cheapskate vibes mm-hmm. because I was like, "There's no way to get a bite to eat and a but, and a drink for under a hundred bucks." Get so the, I'm just going to drop it. The, but did you get that same vibe though from the like? 
in, in, in oh i know what you're talking you about know? yes yes the it's i was looking around like who are these people yeah what is their story because yeah. it's I, not I almost, my story i almost anyway. got hit by a bentley that's that's how crazy it is. <laughs> I was actually amazed. My expectations were so low for myself. Uh-huh. I was amazed they even let me into that place. Oh, right. They have like little. Like I was like, oh, I can just go in and have a drink. Screener. Great. No, but Cafe Baloo is very nice over there. So I checked out a lot of different places in my f- spare time. Right. And I attended all the panels, of course. Of course. One other thing is earworm. Hanging out at the poolside bar where we were staying is a song. So, you know, Neil, Neil Young's Harvest Moon. Yes. So there is like this, I don't want to call it emo, but kind of techno version of it by a band called Poolside. And my friend was saying how it's such an atrocity that they would do this to Neil Young's song. And of course, it's on a loop and you stay long enough at the bar, it plays again and And again. Of course, you stay long enough at the bar. A little bit, a little bit. And it, check it out. Everyone hears it a couple of times. Check it out. If you could picture yourself at, you know, a pool bar. I get the vibe. It's sort of just like, okay, you know how they want to keep people mellow. Check it out. Maybe I'm wrong. Mary Catherine, how are you? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to listen to it. I yeah. kind of like a very switched up cover. I like yeah, something yeah. that goes a totally yeah. different I direction. mean, again, I, we, we, we openly hated it. And then when we got back to DCA, I texted him the, the link to yeah. from iTunes. I said, don't you miss it no, now? No, it's going to be a special <laughs> memory. A special okay. memory. Oh. How are you? Oh, I'm good. We had a very busy weekend because it's the boys' birthdays. Oh my goodness, yes. that's right. I missed it, and you had a yes. You had a big Steve to-do. and the this baby are a day apart because the baby insisted on having his own birthday. Is is, so. is the baby after or before? Were after. you trying to? Were you? Oh yeah. So were you trying to have the baby on the same day or no? Well, no. But I, I thought I was going to have him so much earlier. Mm-hmm. I thought he was going to be born around Christmas. Oh, okay. That's and right. So, I remember And so that. people kept saying, oh, what if he's born on Steve's birthday? And I was like, there is no way I'm making it to Steve's birthday. I made it one day past Steve's birthday. Yeah. So they're next to each other. So they have a birthday weekend. So we went to the lake. Yes. And as <laughs> when I first met my husband, he was like, I don't, I don't love my birthday. And I was like, well, birthdays are great. Everybody should love their birthday. In what sense? And then I, well, now I understand. A first week of January birthday <laughs> is very tough because everyone is very tired. They're, tired. They're done partying. The last thing you want to do is wrap another gift. They don't want to travel. They don't want to do gifts. They've given you all the things they could think of to give you already. They don't want to drink or eat bad food because they're all doing their resolutions. <laughs> so, oh, a January. Yes. No, it's so you have you have dry January friends, mm-hmm. and you're trying to like like twist arms to get people out. Yeah. It's rainy and it cold. Terrible. <laughs> so, although I will say, so once I once I understood this, like one year I had to rally in the first week of January for Steve's birthday and I was like, "Oh, I get it. I get it. This is tough." He got a trash can. It was a lovely trash can. Oh, I remember a fancy yeah. one. Yeah. Fancy trash can. <laughs> but we had a great time. The grandparents came, the McCormicks came. Very nice. So we got to hang out. Oh, with down them. to the lake. Mm-hmm. Very exciting. So we got to hang out with them. We had a great time, even though it rained incessantly. And it was I picture cold. the opening of Godfather Part Two when they had the the communion party at Lake Tahoe, and there's boating going on yes. no, and singing was, and dancing. It was more like we were watching Disney movies inside because okay. it was freezing. <laughs> However, I did I attempted my first birthday cake bake. In the past, I have decorated things like cupcakes or what sure. have you, but I've never done aim small, miss small. I've never done the full, and I can decorate pretty. I've done some impressive stuff with the decorating and the theme of a party for the big girls, 
but I've never done the actual cakes. So I made three cakes, Vic. Did, what? Yeah, look, Not this is one. what happens with me, okay? Not two. Three cakes, because Steve requested matching outfits and matching smash cakes for the for both of them. Are oh, you the familiar with the idea of a smash cake? Oh, I'm, uh, I'm afraid to ask. A smash cake is for a one-year-old oh. for their birthday, uh-huh. so you can do a little photo shoot of them just like Going housing crazy. a cake yes. because this is new to them yes. and they're getting all this sugar yeah, that they've sure. never had before. Yeah, it's exciting. And, uh, and they're putting their faces in, they're getting all messy. Steve wanted to do the same thing. For himself, for his fortieth, using birthday. his bare hands. Uh-huh. Oh, it, this was this is a milestone. yes milestone oh. for both. So I said, okay, let me see what I can do. So I made three two-tier cakes: a little bitty one for the baby, uh-huh. a medium-sized smash cake for Steve, two tiers, and a large one for the rest of the party to eat. Because of course, you mm-hmm. can't give them the smash cakes. And my attempt was to make camo cakes. Oh wow! For yes, baby, for the for the boys. Uh huh. So I did. I had like four different kinds of green color colors of icing. Shades of green, green. tan. The brown was a chocolate hazelnut. Uh, the tan was a peanut butter cream cheese frosting. The green was just cream cheese frosting with coloring. I in hope it. you took photos. Oh yeah. yeah. And then on top, I had both boys got a little a little four wheeler or a jeep that was riding up a a hill. <laughs> it's very redneck, guys. That's wonderful. <laughs> it's very redneck. It did come out pretty well. I gotta say. A camo cake, here's the thing about that, because you'll see all the cake makers. First of all, they make icing cakes look very easy on the internet. It's not that easy, because yeah. you got to have the right consistency of yeah, cake, yeah. blah, blah, blah. If you smooth everything out the way they do in the videos, uh-huh. if it's camo, you're just going to have a like muddy, muddy. brown, gray yes. cake. Yeah. So I couldn't smooth it that must much. must be distinct. So it was more of a lungs. dab and smear situation. Okay. It looked like a little rough and ready, I bet, but that's okay. That matched yeah. the theme. And you remember there were two kinds of camouflage. There was like, you know, in the 80s, 90s camouflage, yes. which is more curves and st- old, you know, and then it became more digitalized. Yeah, you know, mine, you pixelated, mine was, like was not a digital camo. You know, the old style. <laughs> old like from, style. Like from stripes. And here's the thing I found out, by the <laughs> yeah. way. Uh, you would think the green would be the most important color for making it yeah. look like camo. Yeah. No, it's tan. Tan was the most important oh, it makes color. It different. Yeah, yeah, you had to you had to out. contrast. I was going to say there's anyway. dark green, light green, and tan. But what? Oh my gosh, we're going to run long before we get to the yeah. news. It's fine, guys. I got to tell you, yeah, that while I was preparing this cake, I did box cake because a friend told me you won't go wrong. It tastes just as good as a scratch cake. You're fine. Now some might disagree. I'm sure you guys make scr- scratch cakes that are good, but I wasn't risking it all. No, a there's a lot cake, going right? on, yeah. So I was like, let's do the box cakes. Okay. So I had Like three, a Duncan Hines. Mm-hmm, I, bet I had three box cakes, yellow mm-hmm. cake. I made two in the morning and needed one more to complete my baking. Okay. So I used two, baked those cakes, let them cool. Had one box cake sitting on the counter. Yes. Needed to go to the grocery store for one more. Oh, no. Took a picture of the one box cake okay. on the counter. Okay. So I could know exactly what kind to get. Yes. I go to the grocery store. I buy another cake. I come home, and on the counter are two yellow box cakes. Where did this extra one come from? I don't know. I still haven't figured it out. (laughs) Okay. And the only thing I can think of is that the counter was loaves and fishes situation. That's your answer? I mean, you know. That I left... And lo and behold, the Lord gave unto me a yellow cake. As, as, as G.K. Chesterton would say, which I can now say since I finished reading Orthodoxy, mm-hmm. why 
why why be doubtful about miracles? Why not believe in miracles? So this is what I'm either saying. Way. Now you would you would think to yourself, yeah, Mary Catherine, there's probably just an extra one in the house, and someone put it out for no, you, no. or maybe you. Because your brain doesn't work properly, bought two, put one on the counter, and totally forgot you put one on the counter. That is, a, that is an outside possibility of Possibly. that. However, later in the night, I was making tacos, and I looked in the spice drawer, and I thought, oh no, there's no taco seasoning. My father comes to the rescue, and he says, we're going to make a makeshift taco seasoning. Yes, he puts it together, but we do not have cumin, which is a major part that is, of taco yes. seasoning. So he's like, this isn't going to be great, but we made it. I walk over to look at his makeshift taco seasoning, and there is a plain packet white sitting on the counter, and it says seasoning mix. And I pick it up, and I go, is it possible this is taco seasoning? And we open it up, and it's taco seasoning. Same counter, same day. You need need to leave like a $20 bill on the counter and see if it turns into 40. (laughs) The McCormick's considered putting out extra stuff while in my absence <laughs> just to see if I would break it. Right. So look, I'm not going to call in the church yet. When I do, I will the get in touch with you guys yeah. because I'm not a member of the church, so I don't understand how this works. But if there's a miracle happening yes. on my counter, just a, a very low-level dry goods <laughs> miracle situation. Yeah, I'll, I mean, that's I'll sometimes, you, guys know. you know, I mean, there are saints who have been known to, you know, produce beer miraculously. So, well, that, you know, why not? Uh, to be fair, that would be... More fun than taco seasoning. But here we are. Take the taco seasoning. Happy birthday to the boys. Happy birthday. Okay, should we talk about the news? Let's do it. Okay, I want to play just a little clip of both Trump and Biden this week because, you know, they're on the trail. We're less than a week from Mm -hmm. Iowa when uh, voters could make a decision to not have these two olds fight each other for the 2024 election. I don't know if that will the happen. Can- but- the candidates we deserve. Yeah. Let's first hear Trump in Iowa. It didn't work. They had an almost billion dollar cost overrun on the magnetic elevators. Think of it, magnets. Now, all I know about magnets is this. Give me a glass of water. Let me drop it on the magnets. That's the end of the magnets. Why didn't they use John Deere? Why didn't they bring in the John Deere people? Do you like John Deere? I like John Deere. Sure. Sure. I, look, I'm not even going to try to decipher that. So magnets don't work in water. I don't think that's true. Because, <laughs> you know, again, I, I, I did go to the School of Foreign Service known as Safe from Science. And right. I'm like, oh, I guess it just neutralized it. I'll turn to the president for this. Yeah, why don't not? turn to the president okay. for this information. All right. Okay. <laughs> that's I say it's a play for the Juggalo vote. Do you remember the, the Juggalos? The insane, yeah, 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 clown yeah, yeah. insane Clown Posse. Insane Clown Posse. There's a very famous and viral Insane Clown Posse song where they say, F magnets, how do they work? <laughs> well, I'll tell you okay, really quickly on the magnets. On the mag- mag- you got magnet subject. stories? Okay. I do. I have a magnet story, which is at the conference, they had the name tags are now okay. magnetized. Those super, super strong ones? Extremely mm-hmm. strong. Like, you know, you might as well, you know, you could. That's your workout. That is something. And it's like is- isometric workout. But I had this paranoid uh, thought on my first day. That you're not supposed to, because on the back it says caution on it. Okay. Uh, they, and I had the, I had this, I thought I read somewhere on the internet that uh-huh. it's bad to have magnets on your, like near your skin for a long, t- for a long time. And of course, you know, it's, it's Palm Beach. So I'm wearing a very summer, like a yeah, Hawaiian yeah, shirt. Yeah, yeah, you're not protected. No, and I can feel the magnet part. It's covered and I'm like, oh no. Let me get Am you- I about to have 
you know, a heart issue. But no, it, it was sounds fine. like you need to be taking in much more Instagram wellness advice. Yeah, yeah. No, they'll that, tell you all about how the tell me magnets all about are hurting it. Right, right, right. Yeah. I, I was worried actually about, you know, how it would affect my pacemaker. Oh, wait. <laughs> I haven't had it yet. Reliable. Okay. Yeah. Okay, sorry. More reliable stuff. Let's go to Biden speaking in Pennsylvania with his January 6th speech. One desperate act available to him. The violence of January the 6th. Since that day, more than 1,200 people have been charged for their assault on the Capitol. Yeah, big claps. It started off as a slow clap. Do we clap the imprisonment of Americans? I, okay. Well, so I do think maybe maybe focus on uh, the failures yeah. of the day mm-hmm. and note that people have been properly punished if you believe mm-hmm. that that's the case. I, I think perhaps the like touting of what 840 years in prison and the fact that your federal law enforcement has only been doing this for the last several yeah. years is maybe maybe not the highlight you want whereas to crime in general right like maybe that's so maybe that's not the point you want to make he was also at a church in south carolina he oh, did yeah. two major speeches this week that's right vic that's no one right. cared but he did two major speeches well he did one in the afternoon it was like three in the afternoon oh no that's yeah that's when he does major speeches yeah, it's a good time for him yeah This is at a church in South Carolina, and he was heckled a bit. So let's play a bit of that. He was heckled to set this up by pro-Palestinian, pro-Hamas demonstrators saying ceasefire now, ceasefire now, yelling at him. And then he he acknowledges that. They get drowned out by four more years, which I enjoyed because the chant four more years in a South Carolina church was like, four more years, four (laughs) more years. It had had a very, it had a drawl, and I enjoyed Mm -hmm. that. And then he follows up with this. And I've been quietly working. I've been quietly working with the Israeli government to get them to reduce and significantly get out of Gaza, using all that I can to do. Yes. So, yes. Let, let, let's quiet. not let's not destroy Hamas, please. We're so close. Let's also, just, like, ah, even if you, you think that's the right move, yeah. I've been quietly working. Yeah, quiet <laughs> behind the scenes. <laughs> Don't tell, don't tell the Israelis, Shh. but. You know, I've been doing some very strategic diplomacy that I'm now announcing in my major, major speech. In a church, yeah. Right. By the way, was this the church that was the shooting site of the... Yes. Okay. It was the site of the Dylan Roof shooting. Yes, that is Tragic, 2015. Mm-hmm. Hate crime uh, yeah. by a white supremacist. Right. Imagine the audacity of oh. deciding that your issue is the thing that you need to heckle a president partly commemorating mm-hmm. this event yeah. at this church with the people who endured this tragedy. And you think, you know what I should do? Go yell at people about a totally unrelated issue. Well, and, and also, could you imagine if it were a Republican Ooh. and it was drowned out by four more years in that church? <laughs> it's a fair point. Yeah. All right. So those are our presumptive nominees, everyone. Okay. Yep. We'll see what happens in Iowa. We'll have more he, updates on Trump that. Trump is week. about 50, 52 percent, I think, in some polls. Yeah. Some people say, oh, it's a little concerning if he's, you know, just at 50 now because, you know, Nikki's uh, at 12, mm-hmm. I think, or something. She's now, I think, in second place. But again, for, I believe there was a poll this week for the first time that Christie and Haley combined in New Hampshire did overtake the Trump number. Yes. New which, Hampshire is a different story. Which leads me to think. Gee, if someone really wanted to thwart Trump, David. as Chris Christie says he wants to do, yeah. you know what you could do? Mm-hmm. Drop out in. No indoors. Name, no names, but somebody could weigh in on the matter. <laughs> By the way, out. at the end of that 
forceful January 6th uh, speech yeah. in Pennsylvania. President Biden backed away from the podium, wandered aimlessly, looked in all directions, at which point they sent Dr. Jill out yeah. to grab him and By hug him. But at the end of every speech, and I'm going to steal this from a comic whose name is now escaped, Shane Gillis. Okay. Some, someone was joking about this the other day, and it's just perfect. That he ends, the president ends a speech and becomes a Roomba. Oh, he just moves around. Right, every little corner. Not sure which way to go. He's going to hit some curtains and turn. He's going to hit a, a flagpole and turn. We, we, You know, we could use him here, Mary Catherine. I just spotted a cashew on the rug. That's on me. I don't know. I'm not sure me. who left that cashew there. Okay. That's my doing. Okay. Steve will understand that feeling. Okay. Shall we move on to Secretary of Defense? Oh, man. Lloyd Austin. Okay. Wow. What a story. What a story, guys. Here are the basics. Yeah. Please. The Secretary of Defense, who is in charge of all the armed forces. Now, of course, the president is ultimately in charge. He was presumably on duty in some sense during this time. December 22nd. A long time ago now. December 22nd. The Secretary of Defense had an elective surgery at Walter Reed Hospital. We don't know what that surgery was. Presumably it was fairly minor because no notifications were made about that he was having this procedure. Who would be in charge while he was having this procedure? If it was minor, why wouldn't he just share it then until now? Okay, I have theories, but I'm going to let you finish and we'll go back, please. So almost no notifications are made of the initial surgery. Mm Mm-hmm. Look, fine. You're about to hit your deductible. Are you hit your deductible? It's time to have your surgery at the end of the year. Let people know, even if it's minor, because you have a deputy whose job it is to take over for you when Mm -hmm. you're having surgeries like this. You have a White House, a boss that should know that you're going to be out of commission for a little while. And as we will find out, sometimes surgeries are unpredictable. So he has the procedure. And then he goes back to, quote, working from home over the holidays, which I didn't know the sec def could work from home. Yes. Mm, Whatever. Apparently, nobody was talking during the holidays because on January 1st, Austin goes into the hospital again with yeah. severe pain. Yeah, New Year's Day. Presumably a complication of some sort from this surgery. Right. Very few people know about this. He is admitted to the ICU, quote, conscious but in a lot of pain. Yeah. After that, on January 2nd, his deputy, Kathleen mm-hmm. Hicks, on vacation in Puerto Rico at the beach... Yes. Is informed that some of his duties will be transferred to her. Mm-hmm. She's not told why. It's interesting to me that she wouldn't ask why. <laughs> He's in the hospital. Yeah. She has the duties on January 2nd. January 4th is when the White House and other senior officials, including, I think, the military, find out. Yeah. That's right. That he is in the ICU. And then on January 5th is when Congress finds out. So from January 1st to January 5th, and by the way, Hicks didn't know he was in the hospital till the 4th or the 5th either, even though she was executing the duties allegedly from vacation. Right. What is happening? They point to the the person handling this would be Magsman. Uh, That's the chief of staff to Austin. Uh, But Magsman was sick. And apparently when that happens, then nobody finds out anything. Okay. That's the way it works there. I, too, yeah. had the flu over Christmas. Oh, we all, yes. Okay. I remember. Yep. In that state, yeah. I drove 
to North Carolina with four children and a dog. Yeah. Okay. To simply inform the White do, House was too much. It was do too I much believe that. that the chief of staff to the Secretary of Defense mm -hmm. could make a call and or send an email to someone yeah. about the Secretary of Defense's right. state? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. This sounds like nonsense from beginning to end. So there are two things going on. Is it here. time to conspiracy theorize yes, now? Yes, and I'm ready here. I have my notes. It's a matter of transparency and competency, but really the transparency thing because they I mean, I've given up on the competency thing for a while. But the you know, I mean, but that's Can y'all just be straightforward about how stupid you are? That would thing. be great. They always say every administration, we vow to be the most transparent. Mm -hmm. And they don't even know who's this. I mean, who's in charge? That's the question. The other thing is the first thing that came to my mind in terms of medical speculation is a hilarious scene in the the gay veto subplot in The Sopranos, right? And uh, and they're trying to they're speculating what's going on with uh, Vito, who's right. the underboss. And Carlos says to Tony, he goes, Tone, I don't know, the weight loss? And then Polly goes, AIDS, does he have AIDS? And, and Tony says, nobody has AIDS, never mention that again. So speculation is rampant. Okay, so here's You're going to get thought. a slag with that one. I know, no, I was referring to That's Vito a, and the Sopranos. It's the first Sopranos, ha ha Definitely ha, not the Secretary of Defense, Lloyd Austin. <laughs> okay, so it's an elective surgery, okay? It's an mm -hmm. elective surgery. So I speculated. Perhaps he didn't want anyone to know because it was the kind that perhaps Jerry Nadler, Al Roker, okay. Al Sharpton, Chris Christie might have had and it didn't go well and it was not a big deal, but then it became a big deal. Yes. Maybe. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. And it's a little embarrassing. But I mean, I look at him. He's 6'4", about 250 pounds. He's all man. Yeah, it's I, like he's, he's not, carrying it yeah, well. Yeah. I mean, he's a military guy. Mm -hmm. He carries it well. So I thought- I don't think that's it. Okay. And then I thought perhaps, again, though, it has to be elective. Could it be something gastroenterological? I don't know the, the, the adjective to be used here. Colonoscopic, perhaps. Oh, but, yes. You know, we, you were, know. we were speculating about that before and the show. That, things that... I, and I know people, they've and had it... issues. I'm not going to mention the words involved because it's not pleasant. You might be having breakfast listening to this show. Right. And but it's something it's embarrassing. could it's potentially embarrassing. be embarrassed by. Embarrassing, yes. but and it would not be. It would not but be it's pleasant. Like, just tell people right. you don't have to go the full Katie Couric. That's right. Just That's tell right. people That's what's right. happening. And then the last thing on my mind was from the movie Waiting for Guffman and Fred Willard. His character has a uh, has a cosmetic procedure, but I'm not going to get into that here. Kind of funny. But you're right. See, here's the thing. With all due respect to the doctors at Walter Reed, if I'm getting plastic surgery, it ain't at Walter Reed. Yeah, like right. I, no, and no, if I'm no. the Secretary of Defense, my Tricare I'm sure can take me somewhere else. But yeah, I mean. I, you remember, I mean, and these things can go bad, you know, but I yes. can't imagine that that's the case for him. So I, I, I imagine that whatever it is, when we find out, we're all going to be sort of like, that's it. And the fact is, they just had no process of telling people it's completely disorganized. And that's the reason. That's, yes, that's the only reason. Here's the problem. Let's let's judge based on my own not very legendary sense of responsibility and planning. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. If I were having elective surgery, you guys would know about it. Yeah. If I were having a procedure, yeah, yeah, of you would know yeah. it was coming up. We would make some kind of plan mm -hmm. for this podcast, although yeah. not quite on the level of the National Defense of the United States of America, right. to have continuity yeah. in some way right. if it was not right. like something emergent. Uh, right? You know, yes. And how, but, so how does the United States military not have this plan in place? I'm sure they do, well, just well, not this. I think you'll be comforted. Maybe. 
that there will be a there's going to be a 30 day review of their processes for this. So they'll look into it. Well, I mean, here's the other thing, because they said, you know, you know, what did the Biden administration say? And I think Jack Kirby said this. Oh, he hasn't submitted his resignation. The president has no intention to fire him. And if he were to resign, he would reject the resignation. Because, because, as you know, nobody ever gets fired. Well, here's the problem. And here's here's the problem. And the great thing for Austin is that once no one's fired over Afghanistan, nobody's getting fired for anything else. I mean, that's, and that's the other thing, as I said, you know, while this is all happening, I mean, they had other, you know, things were in place, but at the same time, I thought to myself, thank goodness nothing's going on abroad that the Secretary of Defense has to worry about. Right. Well, that's the thing, right? We're, we're near both geographically and metaphorically hot wars in several places yeah. for several reasons. We are currently getting hit by Iranian-backed Houthis with actual firepower in yeah. places. Yeah. <laughs> Presumably, without a very clear response, these people should be talking to each other regularly, and we find out that they are not. Also, if I'm doing the math correctly, from the first to the second, maybe no one was in charge yeah. because he's admitted to the ICU. Mm-hmm. They have not responded to questions about whether he was unconscious for any of that time. Right. He was conscious on the way to the hospital. They haven't responded on the other part. So, just like Someone needs the reins. Yeah. No one had the reins. No one knew that no one had the reins. Right. Blinken has said, oh, I talked to him the weekend before he went in on January 1st, but I didn't know what's going on. Incompetence, irresponsibility, and third, no one cares and no one will pay a price. He says he's taking full responsibility, right? I'll say up front, the secretary has taken responsibility in terms of the overall transparency concerns. In what way is he taking responsibility? Well, next time I have an elected procedure, I'll let somebody know. Great. That's what he's doing. Great. He ordered a review, I'm sure. Yeah. Nobody cares. Children. They're acting like children. And I we, say this as a care. as sort of a goofball yeah. child yeah. myself. Yeah. But no. this is No, we care. Getting hammered. We We're care. asking the hard questions. Including all of our irresponsible theorizing. Yeah. You're welcome. <laughs> I'm sorry. Again, I was talking about Vito from The Sopranos. Okay. <laughs> all righty. Up next, speaking of thinking like children, Claudine Gay, president of Harvard, steps down as we were finishing taping Within our show. hours of our having finished taping the show. But we got to talk about it because she, she writes this audacious op-ed by the way, in case you're wondering, the Secretary of Austin, the Secretary of Defense story has already become a Republican's pounce, pounce story. again. And so yeah. I, I assume we can have an op-ed from him there's soon a, about the, the, the battle that he has there's that he has engaged yeah. in. Claudine Gay, what just happened at Harvard is bigger than me. It actually should be bigger than I am, but <laughs> what am I but yeah. a lowly podcaster? <laughs> so... This is by Claudine Gay, the former president of Harvard University. I'll read just a bit of it. I might read more because it's actually pretty appalling the whole way through. Okay. On Tuesday, I made the wrenching but necessary decision to resign as Harvard's president. For weeks, both I and the institution to which I've devoted my professional life have been under attack. My character and intelligence have been impugned. My commitment to fighting anti-Semitism has been questioned. My inbox has been flooded with invective, including death threats. I've been called the N-word more times than I care to count. My hope is that by stepping down, I will deny demagogues the opportunity to further weaponize my presidency in their campaign to undermine the ideals animating Harvard since its founding. Excellence, openness, independence, truth. As I depart, I must offer a few words of warning. 
the campaign against me. <laughs> Seems like maybe you should say sorry first for the 50 plus instances of plagiarism. Just do a word search for sorry. The campaign against me was about more than one university and one leader. This was merely a single skirmish in a broader war to unravel public faith in pillars of American society. Campaigns of this kind often start with attacks on education and expertise, because these are the tools that best equip communities to see through propaganda. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of seeing yeah. through propaganda on cam campuses all around this country. But such campaigns don't end there. Trusted institutions of all types, from public health agencies to news organizations, she really put those in there, y'all will continue to fall victim yep. to coordinated attempts to undermine their legitimacy and ruin their leader's credibility. For the opportunists driving cynicism, that'd be us, about our institutions, no single victory or toppled leader exhausts their zeal. She's going to admit to a few mistakes, but can I just say that this is exactly backwards? This is exactly yeah. backwards. And this is to the point that I think it's just like, do you have a personality disorder? You're coming under fire because you were irresponsible. Yeah. Because you acted badly. Can just you like... actually address those particular charges against you? Mm -hmm. You know? Because, by the way, same with public health, same with news organizations. The reason you lose public trust is because you behave badly. Mm -hmm. And because there are people you don't like who make those accusations mm -hmm. doesn't make those accusations right. untrue. Okay. We have a to be sure. Yes, I made mistakes. In my initial response to the atrocities of October 7th, I should have stated more forcefully what all people of good conscience know. Hamas is a terrorist organization that seeks to eradicate the Jewish state. And at a congressional hearing last month, I fell into a well-laid trap of being asked very obvious questions. Yeah, it was, it, was, it was a very tricky question. I neglected to clearly articulate that calls for the genocide of Jewish people are abhorrent and unacceptable, and that I would use every tool at my disposal to protect students from that kind of hate. Most recently, the attacks have focused on my scholarship. My critics found instances in my academic writings where some material duplicated other scholars' language without proper attribution. There's a word for that. You could, you could edit that sentence. Yep. That's plagiarism. You could just take like nine yep. words out of there. I believe all scholars deserve full and appropriate credit for their work. Sure. Does sometime. the word plagiarism or plagiarize appear anywhere? I do not believe case. it does. When I learned of these errors, I promptly requested corrections from the journals in which the flagged articles were published, consistent with how I have seen similar faculty cases handled at Harvard. Harvard, by the way, went after the New York Post with threats yeah, to yeah. sue them if they were gonna over their investigation the of this. So her her saying that she you know went to correct these errors in good faith very quickly, not backed up by the yeah. the administrative response to this. Even Ruth Marcus of the Washington Post was like, she opened her column saying that she needed to step down. And she said, I hate the people going after her. You know, that's her mm -hmm. to be sure. Mm -hmm. I hate the people going after her. These Republicans and these crazy conservatives. But as she opens up her column on this, she says, I think the, it's like one of the opening lines is she plagiarized her acknowledgments. Mm -hmm. OK, not just a couple lines here or there, the acknowledgments. And as you know, there were multiple accounts of plagiarism right. and on December 31st, I believe, the Washington Free Beacon and Aaron Sebarium unearthed even further charges and comparisons where it's very clear that she had plagiarized. We lay it out very clearly. And so the other side doesn't bother to actually address if you were to show them mm -hmm. the side-by-side -side comparison on what was copied from the beginning of the scandal up to December 31st. They're not going to address that. They're not even going to look there because, well, it's the free beacon. They're not 
You well, know. no, she has something to say about that. Oh. Never did I imagine needing to defend decades old and broadly respected research, but the past several weeks have laid waste to truth. How, yeah, how, other people's how truth. Did, how did Aaron Savarium's correct reporting... Pointing out, pointing out. Look. Lay waste to truth. Those who had relentlessly campaigned to out, oust me since the fall often trafficked in lies and ad hominem insults, not reasoned argument. Yep. They recycled tired racial stereotypes about black talent and temperament. They pushed a false narrative of indifference and incompetence. It's not a false narrative. She seemed indifferent mm -hmm. to the concerns of Jewish students in that hearing, and she seemed incompetent when you looked at her scholarship. It is also amazing how the Harvard Corporation and the, you know, the special, you know, undisclosed peer review investigation into whether or not she had plagiarized had concluded she had not plagiarized. Right. And they just, I mean, but the, the euphemisms they used on this were amazing. And in a way, I was hoping that she'd stay on so that we could try to get some sort of a Harvard kid to, you know, try to do the same thing and see what they say. Because, of course, as even, you know, the Harvard Crimson or other people, there were other students who said this is unacceptable because if a, it's, it's a lower standard than what the students are held to. Right. That's just not going to work. Over the, the weekend on Chris Wallace's show, the uh, New York Times is uh, Lulu uh, Garcia Navarro. Mm -hmm. And she was battling with, with Jonah Goldberg and Raihan Salam, Raihan of the Manhattan Institute. And the amount of just vitriol that she had for Raihan's pointing out the very obvious things. We're taught, can we address the plagiarism? The answer is no, we can't. We need to focus on who dug up this dirt. Right. That's the bigger question. Forget about whether or not she did. It doesn't matter. Because for yeah. DI, and, and, and they don't actually have an answer to the merit argument. No, it, we'll, we'll, we should play a clip of that because it's fantastic. This woman cannot win or lose either. She, uh, it, uh, if she is there, I'm happy to talk about no, let me finish. Day, let, let me let me let me finish. If she's there, it's because of DEI that they put her there because she's black. If she loses and they kick her out, it's because she actually was never good enough to be there in the beginning, and she was. You can't win in this situation, yeah, but, and it is and it is infuriating I, I as get, a person get, of color the, to constantly have this cudgel put on our. I get on the our argument you, you can't win, but you also can't have it both ways. You can't celebrate and tout that someone was hired and it's a wonderful thing to expand diversity and Harvard went full tilt talking about how great it was to hire the first black woman and then say all of a sudden- The first when black she's person. It wasn't even the first black woman, it was okay. the first black person. I don't care. The point is, is that she got caught obviously plagiarizing and that is the, those are the facts that, you know, there's this massive This was an piece. ideological, Absolutely. very well-funded- the, the motives and, of the attack and, don't and, change the fact that she plagiarized. And, and where I disagree oh, with you, Kara, is when you say- When somebody we, fails who's white and, and who's mean, a man, let me finish. Like when someone who fails, when, yes, when someone, nobody, in fact, there's books written about this, fail and then come back. Um, you know, look pivot. look at pivot. Exactly. Pivot. pivot. Nice way to get in your Thank podcast. You. <laughs> um, you know, pivot. And then when a person of color fails, all of a sudden it's an indictment of an entire system that the right doesn't This is like. so yeah. ridiculous. She was a graduate of Exeter. It's about a six or seven minute discussion yeah, that amazing. you should watch because what it is, is it's it pits Jonah Goldberg and Raihan Salam, who are thinking thoughts and marshalling arguments against two women, I forget, yeah, I forget who, the other one is. who the other one is from, but one of the New York Times, who are, you know, elite thought leaders mm -hmm. of the left mm -hmm. who do almost nothing but emote and interrupt yeah. 
And I know that's a gender-coded word that I said emote, but that's what they're doing. Uh-huh. They're just saying like, we don't like that you're bringing this up and it's bad yeah. and white men bad. <laughs> and, and, and it drives him crazy that Raihan is a Bangladeshi American. Yes. They so wish he was white. You know, it's just. Uh... And like they say, they, they keep saying there's no way she could win. There's no way she could win. I was like, right. actually, she already won. She won by becoming yeah. the president of Harvard. That's right. With, by the way, much thinner scholarship than many other people who would have who could have had that job. And yeah. then she lost because she performed badly at right. the thing that was her qualification. Right. Yeah, those two ladies made me feel like perhaps were they hired for their gender? Because <laughs> yeah. yeah. there wasn't a lot going on there. So it, she ends the column, Claudine Gay does. Having now seen how quickly the truth can become a casualty amid controversy, I'd urge caution. At tense moments, every one of us must be more skeptical than ever of the loudest and most extreme voices in our culture. However well-organized or well-connected they might be, says the president of literal Harvard, the most well-connected person in the world, maybe? Too often, they are pursuing self-serving agendas that should be met with more questions and less credulity. College campuses in our country must remain places where students can learn, share, and grow together, not spaces where proxy battles and political grandstanding take root. Too late, my friend. Too late. Universities must remain independent venues where courage and reason unite to advance truth, no matter what forces set against them. This is so much projection. Yeah, they I think they realize that, you know, we've always been the right has always been after them on DEI, but they're realizing they might be gaining some, we might be gaining some momentum. And of course, Christopher Rufo wrote about this in the journal. And then they pounced on that by saying, ah, see, they, that's, that's been their master plan all along is to get rid well, of diversity, and there's equity, a little and inclusion. Side, there's a little side battle that's very interesting where Rufo graduated from the Harvard Extension School with a ah, graduate degree. Yes. And he has, I've seen at least one tweet where he's like, I graduated from the extension school. It's a night school for people yeah. who are, not, yeah. they don't go through the normal admissions pro- process. He even said it's less prestigious, but everyone's sort of putting on like he lied, like as he, if he went Whether to Harvard. And then all these Harvard folks pounced, shall I, if yeah, I yeah, can borrow a verb, pounced and started talking about all, all week about how insecure people like Rufo are because they try to pretend like they went to real Harvard mm-hmm. And I'm like, I don't think it's him that's insecure, guys, including, by the way, instructors at the Harvard Extension School who are like, yeah, I mean, it's kind of nonsense, the school that I teach at. What are y'all doing? Yeah. yeah. Just to own the other side, Just you see? To own Just Chris own the other Rufo. side. No, no, no. Absolutely. All right. Ugh. Well, let's 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 take but, a uh, take a happy yeah. turn here to I have a you love to hear it. Okay. Oh yeah. And a little bit of an uncanceled from the state of Pennsylvania, okay. where the Democrats are really showing off. Let's yeah. hear. Let's hear John Fetterman talking about the border. And allies admit there's a crisis at the border, and uh, I don't know how anybody could pretend that there isn't. Okay. He also told Dave Weigel, "quote As an alum of Harvard, look, I graduated 25 years ago, and of course it was always a little pinko, but now I don't recognize it. It's just he used the word pinko." I'm just enjoying him so much, and I did not expect to, and I stand no. by the fact that he should have told people what was going on with him sure. medically, just like Secretary, the fam- Secretary the fam- of Defense. The family should have. You know, yes. The wife should have. The campaign team should have. However. Of course not. This iteration of John Fetterman mm-hmm. is enjoyable to me. This is a fascinating story, and I'm going to say this before, you know, 
I'm sure at some point he's going to let us down and disappoint us with his other actual liberal progressive views that have, you know, that are not yet to the come to the fore because right now the issues just happen to be ones that yeah. he disagrees with the left on, particularly on Israel and the border and, and, and what's going on at Harvard. People are comparing this, though, to like Harrison Ford in the movie regarding Henry, where he was like the cynical lawyer, then he gets shot in the head, and then he comes out of the coma and whatever, the surgery, and all of a sudden he's a new man, and he wants to tell the truth like like Jim Carrey, right. liar, liar. I would also say the movie Dave <laughs> with the Ivan Reitman movie, and it's Kevin Klein, and and then, you know, when he takes over as the the, the imposter president, they say, it's the new President Mitchell, right. you know, isn't, he's doing new and Bullworth exciting things. Isn't also a similar yes, plot? Bull, yes, where he I doesn't, like... Warren Beatty as a senator, no longer cares. He's just going to go on the suicide mission, and it turns out that it's all working. Well, right. notice that the plot of each of these is that politicians cannot be good people unless they actually have a, have a become medical... a different person or have yeah. an actual brain injury. Well, God willing, we're going to see a new, we're going to see, a, you know, Lloyd Austin's going to come back. He's like, we've begun the bombing of Iran. No, my gosh. Gonna say. Maybe yeah. so. Maybe so. Maybe so. Okay. Um, also, Governor Josh Shapiro, who is the Democratic governor of Pennsylvania, jumped on the story of the the National Park Service had proposed removing a statue of William Penn yeah. <laughs> from a park. Mm -hmm. And everyone rose up pretty quickly on that one, at which point the National Park Service sort of backtracked and said, that was just a draft proposal of how we would redo the park. And, right, it was uh, the public comment Mr. Section. Penn will stay in place. Shapiro, being a smart Democrat, says, my team has been in contact with the Biden administration throughout the day to correct this decision. I'm pleased Welcome Park will remain the rightful home of this William Penn statue right here in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, Penn founded. So You know, that, that notorious uh, genocide uh, committed, the Quaker, the Quaker <laughs> genocide, you know. You got to cancel the Quakers, and, you know. You know, but it's, these are the people that the administration has, you know, they've infiltrated these bureaucracies with people who really believe this stuff. Oh, yeah. That William Penn is a bad person. To make it more inclusive because, you know, when people go into that park, like, oh, my gosh. William it's Penn. William Penn. Why did you do this to me? We're, we're not talking about like the Duke of Alba, right? The notorious among among the the Protestants up north, like in Belgium and in the Netherlands, they do not like the Duke of Alba. But I was reminded recently of because of this of the Washington Post. They did. Do you remember they did a whole video? What do you what would you call it when it's like a whole journalism piece? It's it's an article with extensive like, journalism of uh, videos like the graphics, the graphics and all that kind of stuff yes. deal they, they call it like an interactive or the, something what would you call it the smelting the smelting of robert e lee statue oh yeah remember and it was like a whole step-by-step -step video of watching you know robert His e lee milk. Milk. like like it, like we're watching the t2000 or the t1000 which are robert patrick weird. and terminator 2 and 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 it was going to be cathartic for all the woke people. Like, yes, melt away from history. Well, but you know, see, never so this, be mentioned again. So the, again, with the projection, it does feel like in that case, the people who work at the Washington Post and the activists who are yeah. surround this, like putting a lot more import on Robert E. Lee than the people they allege mm -hmm. think he's awesome yeah. ever put yeah. on him. Because right. you you need this sort of ritualistic moment. Right. <laughs> oh no, I'm glad I'm glad Penn was saved. And yeah. like again, it matters that. Democrats say these things in public. Mm -hmm. And even when inevitably Shapiro and Fetterman end up being on the other side of issues, I will say that they are wrong on those issues. But on these, they are correct. Yeah. They're correct. And it looks like Pin was saved as a as a as a result. Okay. okay. Golden Globes. Here we go. I hear that Joe Coy, the comedian who yes. emceed, not great reviews for him. No. Apparently no. Uh, now. This is 
could be construed as excuse making. Mm -hmm. But I heard that he only got the gig like 10 days before the event yes. or something. Why? Which I, Why the scramble? Because no, I mean, I think these are hard. Look, I I think these are sort of thankless jobs. We as the audience want to see the roasting of a lot of these people the way Ricky Gervais did oh, it. Oh, that was fun. But the audience themselves yeah. detest it. Yes. And it, here's the part I didn't like. At but one it's, point, it's, it's not the Oscars. At one point, Coy said, who I like, by the way, he's very funny in yeah. general. Yeah. At one point, he kind of threw his writers under the bus and was like, yeah, yeah I wrote some of these and they wrote some of these. <laughs> and the ones you're laughing at are the ones I wrote, yeah. which is like, okay. At one point, he made a Taylor Swift yes, joke. Yes, and this is where... And Taylor is, Swift was in the audience. Unforgivable. Okay, can we can we hear that one? As you know, we came on after a football doubleheader. Uh, the big difference between the Golden Globes and the NFL, on the Golden Globes, we have fewer camera shots of Taylor Swift. I swear. There's just more to go to here. Sorry about that. Okay, so... And she, she did not care. She, she didn't enjoy that joke. She made a face... That was a very light joke. So light, but it turns out you can't make any jokes because the Swifties will swarm. I mean, for okay. sure. Yeah. But uh, I think it's the it's the better part this. of Valor. Look, yeah. Please. she takes a lot of hits because she's extremely famous, but that's sort of one the most deal. Famous women around the world. And this one, to me, is the one that you go. Is, yeah. Is or, that the one? She could have played it up. She'd be like, hey, what do you yeah. mean? Or something. And yes. that would have been great. And he's. He's clearly nervous on that stage. Yes. Because it's not, I will say this. I was, first of all, very excited that we were going to have the first Filipino American to be hosting That's any right. major That's award right. show, really, Joe Coy. His stand up routines uh, in general, which are much more ethnically focused yes. on, on Filipinos, is so spot on. And my, you know, my sister told me that she and her husband, they went to see him in Atlantic City and he's great. He's good. I saw, you know, one of his bits that's still with me, which is just so amazingly accurate. You talk about different Filipino relatives and people you know in the community and there's always different types. And there's always this one Filipino uncle type that can never get to the question because it's always like, Bleh. and and I knew exactly what he was talking about because, you know, you'd go up to, you know, whoever it is and they'd be like, Victor. Uh, and it just goes on forever before you get to the question. This guy's great. And then I'm like, I'm so excited. Oh my gosh, it's Joe Coy. And I'm like, I don't know him. No, I don't know. Him. Sorry. I'm going to talk about Jim Gaffigan who went to Georgetown instead. You know, he, you know? he should have just done his bit, which is various, various affectations and accents of oh, various Asian communities. That. Yeah. And then, and then, and then the audience which, wouldn't know what to do. I thought Meryl Streep was trying be so to be so uncomfortable, but it would be funny. I thought Meryl Streep was trying to be as supportive as possible, but he was clearly uh, nervous because and intimidated because a lot of his delivery, he mispronounced words. And I don't mean that in an ethnic way. I mean that, you know, because you're reading so fast that yes. you're like trying yeah. to get it all out. Terrifying. Oh, and Emma, did you see what Emma Stone said back backstage? No. So she went out of her way to defend Taylor Swift, you know, in the backstage. She when doesn't they need do to the be press. defended. And she, she called Joe Coy two or three times an a-hole. Wow. Yeah. She says, what an a-hole, she said. That's too much. To blurb that. That's no, too much. We don't much. have to bleep that, do we? You know who? And I, we don't have to get deeply into yeah. this because I feel like it would uh, go bad ways with Vic here. But you know who was an a hole? The New York Times ran a five, oh, several yes. thousand piece, I think five thousand word mm -hmm. piece, mm -hmm. speculating that Taylor right. Swift is queer in some way that she has not yet admitted, and she's left these breadcrumbs for everyone. And I just think, like, of people you're going to be mad at. Yeah. 
Joe Coy versus this mm-hmm. insane essay in the New York Times, which never should have made it into print. Right. Like, let Taylor Swift be who Taylor Swift wants to be. I don't. She can announce whenever she wants to announce to anything or not. Yeah, that's right. Leave it alone. Anyway, do you have anything to say about the Golden Globes winners or not winners? I'm so glad that the the Bear won, which is a series on Hulu. It's a it's a, it's a it's a foodie drama about you know trying to run this restaurant in Chicago. I think it's great and endearing. I hear great things. About- and so we're mid second season, my wife and I, and that's where we're up to. Fantastic stuff. So I was happy about that. But some of the stuff I had no idea what they were. Some of these movies that won, I have no. I- to me, this foreign is, stuff. To I me, this know. is what award shows are for. When they start awarding things, yeah. I start taking notes. Like, oh, I never watched that. Yeah, I oh, never okay. watched and that. Check it out. Okay. I will say, I believe a Black Lady Sketch Show won one like editing award, uh-huh. and I just want to say that that show should win more awards. It is so creative. It is so funny. It's okay. already done. It's, it mm-hmm. did four seasons, and now it's mm-hmm. it's over. It was on HBO. Watch it if you want to. Right. Particularly if you like grew up in a more urban setting or closer to the black community, you will find a lot of the jokes amazing. It's very, very good for anybody, but also because of that. And then I, did you see the clip of Jennifer Lawrence who was, I guess, nominated for the, what's the dirty 80s comedy? Oh yeah, No Hard Feelings. No No Hard hard feelings. Feelings. She was nominated for No Hard Feelings and the camera cuts to her as she's, they're talking about her being nominated and she goes, if I don't win, I'll leave. Like very clear. Oh. That's great. She's funny. Funny well, chick. Her. Okay. All right. Succession won everything. That's what you need to know. Yeah. And then Paul Giamatti, who won uh, actor in a musical or comedy film for The Holdovers, which I have not watched, but I hear great things about. Yeah. He's gone viral because he went in his tux with his Golden Globe to In-N-Out and had a nice meal after. The That's event. very sideways of him. You know, there's a famous part in that movie where he takes the... Uh, I can't even remember if it was a Cheval Blanc or a, Ch- a Chateau Latour. It was a very expensive, very old wine because his, you know, the, he, he lost the girl he was interested right. in and he has, feels like he has nothing to live for anymore. And he goes to a, a, a restaurant and just puts it in a styrofoam cup and drinks it. So this is a happier perhaps, situation. Perhaps this was a, a tip of the cap to his, uh, yeah, yeah, it was well, an Easter egg. He's a walking Easter egg. He's a walking, egg. E- okay. and the son, of course, of Bart Giamatti. Oppenheimer, by the way, won uh, oh, Best took, Motion yeah. Picture. Killian yeah, yeah. Murphy, actor in a yeah. drama. And Robert Downey Jr., who we Good love. For him, yes. Supporting actor Robert Strauss, in a The real hero picture. of oh, Oppenheimer is Robert. Billy Eilish won original song for What Was I Made For, which was in Barbie. And that is a fantastic song. And she wore a very is silly outfit. Da- you can look that is up. That, is that the dance song, the main dance song? No. Bar- okay. No. It's, a, it's a ballad. Oh, no, no. I was thinking of Dua. Yeah. Lipa? Dua Lipa. Thank you. One. Yeah. Okay. I'm hit. The Youngs. We're yeah, speaking I'm of hit. the Youngs. Okay. Here Let's decode the youngs here on getting <laughs> A Zoomer has some thoughts on okay. the economy. Okay. This is okay. a young woman who you can tell from her work uniform is in her car after a shift at Walmart. So props. She's yeah, working yeah. It's a, work. a job. She's doing her thing, but she has thoughts about where that money goes and how far it goes. I cannot stand how the news has been dogging Gen Z and calling them lazy for not wanting to work a nine to five for the rest of their lives. Let me put it in perspective for everybody who's a little confused here, okay? I work five days out of the week, 40 hours a week, okay? I do not make enough to live on my own. I would not make enough to pay rent, water, electric, and eat all by myself. I would not be capable of doing that. 20 years ago when you were getting started, you could live on your own. 20 years ago when you first started, you were able to do everything that I am now struggling to do. 
me add another perspective here. You've been working for 20 years. You have 20 years of working experience behind your belt. You have 20 years of experience in a career that has allowed you to gain raises, to get more money, to profit you in an economy that you created. You can sit here and you can call Gen Z lazy all you want, but I've been working my tail end off just to barely make it by. And respectfully, I don't want to do that for the rest of my life. I don't want to work my tail end off wasting all of my life working just to barely be able to pay my bills. And that is what you created, not Gen Z. We're just here getting started. You've been doing it for the last 20 years. You tell me how it got ruined. We can sit here and we can call Gen Z lazy all you want, but you let the economy turn into what it did. You let it all run to hell. And now it's Gen Z's fault because we don't want to work to fix your mistakes. Mary, do you want me? First of all, go ahead, please. She's she's upset. Yeah. Uh, A couple things. Uh, the economy is work. not it's good. It's hard work. I get it. Yeah, the okay. economy is not this good. This is our to be sure part. I'm just wanting, I want to, I just yeah. curious. Okay, well, okay. The, the economy is not good. The cost of living is high and getting higher, right? Yeah. This woman, I think, is about 20. So that means she didn't vote for Biden. So we can't lay that on her doorstep. Yeah. A lot of things contribute to the the state the economy is in. I take many issues yeah. <laughs> with the idea that on a 40-hour-a-week schedule, right out of college or right out of high school that you could live on your own Mm -hmm. when I got out of college or high school by yourself paying all your bills. Almost no one I knew lived by themselves for 10 years out of college, at least five. If you knew anyone who lived on their own Mm -hmm. and it was very rare, that person was subsidized by their parents and you knew it. And not only did you know it, it was a bit of a... We all had that in their heads about that. Yeah, yeah. That no, it's like a mark of shame. Yeah, it was. Yeah. What is your experience with so getting So I out lived of alone. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I, I actually- I was actually afraid actually it was going to be like, like the Dr. First, Mattis paid for, for me believe to- it, Believe it or not, for the first year, I, 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 had, a, I had a roommate, not a roommate, <laughs> excuse me, shared an apartment in Sherlington with my good friend, Jose Gill, yeah. who he, he probably could have lived alone. He worked, this is in the mid-90s, and he worked for Arthur Anderson before it all went to heck. And, 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 and I had my parents help me because- even then, because I was promised a job on the Dole campaign, and then when I got into town, the man, who I will never forget his name, not going to share it here, because he's still around, sort of, never refused to ever return my call again. Wow. Ever, until we saw, like, I saw him years later. And, he, you know, I'm sure, I don't know if he ever remembered it, but I do. Yeah. I remember people. You remember when you're young, you remember the people who are good to you, and you remember the people who are not good to you. It just follows you everywhere you go. In any event, and then I was able to, once I started working at the Standard, I was able to, you know, it was a ridiculous deal, though, because I lived at the Kennedy Warren right. in the largest possible efficiency because I shoved my yeah. bed into what is not really meant for the bed area. Right. I just don't want people to see it when they walk in. And, and it was eight fifty a month. Look at you. Yeah, that's crazy. It um, is not the case anymore. But my, my, big, my big thought was, and, and, and Kate, my, my wife, Kate, she, she lived in a very small apartment initially alone but it was not much like she had a she didn't have a real bed she could only afford a futon right you know and you would convert the couch was the bed right which is not great for her back and then she eventually lived with her husband well molly Hemingway, right and and two others two other girls yeah of course and 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 then and, and you know for for until we got married this is the way of yeah. your 20s yeah. uh you're so like eight your, years I think. your late teens yeah. through at least mid-20s yeah. for almost everyone to me it is not realistic to expect that on particularly on a 40 hour a week schedule yeah. working no overtime, mm-hmm. 
that you would afford to live on your own and pay all of your bills with no sharing during that time of your life. She's working her tail end off commendable. Yeah. If you're working your tail end off for 40 hours a week and living with roommates, that is what your 20s is. Arguably, a lot of people work 60 hours a week in their 20s because they are interested in... Mm -hmm advancing their careers, have a lot more time on their hands because they don't have kids because they're in a different phase of life. Mm -hmm. Where I think Gen Z is correct and where I think one of the advantages of the the COVID regulations and and all those restrictions is that flexibility in a work life is very good. Not having to be in one physical place from nine to five all the time. Obviously, certain jobs require that, like the Secretary of Defense should be one of them. But... (laughs) I get I get wanting that flexibility. I think that's good for people and it's good for families and it's good for people's mental health. Yeah. But like you're going to have to put in the hours in your 20s. Uh, yes. Well, and the, the other thing is this, though. Everyone is different when when, when you graduate from, from from high school or from college, you know, and it, it's not all collectively they cannot afford this. I understand and I believe that she cannot afford working at Walmart to live to have her own place, right. et cetera, own for and she works 40 hours a week, five days a week. But, you know, you had classes. I had classmates out of college that were given ridiculous signing bonuses, yes. wardrobe, you know, and, and they work for investment banks and, and they all live at the breakers now. You know, no, I mean, no. But I mean, you know, they, they so, had the tables it, you could you know, not it get. It was sickening. And so, you know, they're in a different position than I was yeah. starting out as a journalist. And I was in a different position than some of my high school friends. It just is different. What she doesn't realize is that she is a deficit hawk. True. She should be voting for Matt Gates. So I have one true. more story and then we have to wrap okay. it up. But yep, I, yep, yep. briefly, I must tell this story. When I first worked here in D.C. when I was about 23 or 24. Yeah. And there was a young woman who worked with me in the same building that I did, who I would have lunch with occasionally. And she was subsidized by her parents sure. and had a nice place in a nice mm-hmm. part of town <laughs> and a uh, nice girl. Mm-hmm. And I would go out to lunch with her and another friend. I am brunette. The woman in question was blonde. The third woman was redheaded. You would have enjoyed the view. Anyway, <laughs> all, all three of us are sitting there eating pizza one day. Uh-huh. And the blonde woman in question is talking about how she's talking to her father about getting her hair done and getting her highlights and her cut and that it's, you know, every six weeks or two months or so and that it's a large expense, several hundred dollars. And she talked to her dad about it and her dad and, and her mom. And her dad said, you know, you did inherit that expense from your mother. So I'm going to go ahead and pay for that. And so he was taking care of that for her. And I was marveling at this because I did not live that kind of life. And this is the best part. She goes, well, and like, he has to, because what am I going to do? Like walk around with brown hair? Yeah. And I said, you surely could not do that. (laughs) (laughs) She didn't even notice, which is even better. All right. You find these people, they're just, you know, that's what happens when you live together. I mean, yeah. you just people from all walks of life. You learn different, new ex- things. Different experiences. Okay. I do have uh, a clarification. I'll save the other one for the next show. The first one here, so I'll just save it for, for this show since we're out of time. Countless listeners, Mary Catherine, have now confirmed that you were correct about the pudding in the Pizza Hut salad bar. That's right. Okay. Listener Nookie said, quote, it was almost always positioned close to the shredded cheese. This meant you were often surprised with a splinter of cheddar in the pudding. <laughs> Uh, Sweet and savory. Again, I never, I never did the salad bar because I opted for healthier options like the Priazzo. Mm-hmm. Should look that up on YouTube. That is all the time we have for this episode of Getting Hammered. Remember, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, and YouTube. You can follow me on Twitter at Victory Mattis. 
I'm at MK Hammer on Twitter, at MK Hammer Time on Instagram. You can follow the show at Getting Hammered Podcast on YouTube or Instagram. Happy New Year once again. Happy almost caucuses. We will have more for you later this week. Thanks for getting hammered responsibly. This has been a Nebulous Media Podcast. <laughs> <laughs>